Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Belmont Journal, Belmont's own program for hyperlocal news and community affairs programming. I'm your host, Roger Colton. Belmont Light has been ranked number one for clean energy amongst all Massachusetts municipal light departments. The Massachusetts Climate Action Network ranked all 41 municipal light departments on their clean energy supply, their energy efficiency programs, and their plans to reduce their dependence on dirty energy over time. The scoring methodology, along with the full report, can be found online in NCAM's website. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Belmont Citizen Herald. I have with me today Joanna Juvelis, who is the multimedia journalist for the Citizen Herald and for Wicked Local Belmont, Belmont's online and print source of weekly news. Thank you for stopping over. You're welcome, Roger. Uh, there was a big hearing the other night on oh, yeah. reuses of the former incinerator sites. Yes. The selectmen have been discussing this since last summer. They started out with seven, 17 ideas from a, that came from a community forum for the former incinerator site, which is located on Concord Avenue. It's like 25 acres of town property surrounded by wetlands. It used to be an incinerator site. In fact, the incinerator building still sits on the land to give people a little bit of history. And basically, they've narrowed the list down to five uses. And those uses include this anaerobic digester, which is a commercial scale uh, digestion facility that accepts organic materials, breaks them down, turns it into methane gas, and generates electricity, just for anybody who's not familiar with it. And the neighbors were not happy. Right. Well, what, let's, let's, let me just briefly tell you the, the results of the feasibility study that the, the town's environmental engineering consultant did. He basically said, to make this financially viable and, and profitable for the town, it would need to be a 30 feet tall building. It would need to receive 200 tons of waste daily. That would bring 40 to 60, um, actually, I'm sorry, 20 to 30 18 wheel trucks making 40 to 60 trips daily in and out so of the town one, to deliver this waste. And one trip in, one trip out. Right. But you would get a tax payment of about $600,000 annually. You would also get, you know, have a lease payment of about $50,000 annually. And the electricity generated would be sold at a 11 cents per kilowatt hour based on the green rate Belmont Light has. You could also avoid tipping fees if curbside collection is done. So there are pros and there are cons. The surrounding neighborhood, you were there, Mon you were there January 28th, as I was. And you saw the crowd that was there. It was standing room only. The, the message that I heard from... They were not happy. <laughs> yes. People were uh, concerned. And indeed, there was a threat of a lawsuit already, right? Exactly. Uh, they, 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 the neighborhood has signed a petition against it. And then several people spoke against it, including Tag Romney. Tag Romney, I don't think he really needs an introduction, but, you know, his father was a formal former presidential candidate and former Massachusetts governor, right? Mitt Romney. He was. He, was. <laughs> he, he basically said that he can't imagine a worse use in this neighborhood. And he said he also sits on the facilities committee for the Belmont Hill School. And he's like, I know they would be very interested in putting a hockey rink here and pursuing the public-private partnership. That got the selectmen saying, okay, well, maybe, maybe we'll test the land, we'll test the borings to see if it 
if what kind of foundation would be needed to support a hockey rink and what that would cost. And ultimately, the Board of Selectmen said that they would make a decision uh, by March, March 18th. 18th. February 4th, they want the town's envi environmental engineer consultant to come back to them and say, can you find someone to do this boring test and when and how much is it going to, you know, I think that's going to cost $25,000 and the town administrator said she's willing to pay that and the selectman Mark Palillo supports that. They're also going to do additional traffic studies to see what a hockey rink would potentially bring, what additional traffic it would bring to the high school campus as well as the former incinerator site. So now the hockey rink is a pretty strong option as well for the incinerator site. There are four, three other options they're considering. The bike and skate park, open space, and uh, solar storage. Okay, and But it doesn't will... look good for the anaerobic digester <laughs> after Monday, we in my will... opinion. We will uh, have a decision moving forward on that very soon. We have been speaking with Joanna Juvelis, who is the multimedia journalist for the Belmont Citizen Herald and Wicked Local Belmont. Welcome to This Week in the Belmontonian. I have with me today Franklin Tucker, the editor and publisher of the Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. Thanks for stopping over. Oh, thank you. The a uh, decision on a community path location is moving forward. Is that safe to say? You bet it is. Um, uh, last uh, Board of Selectmen meeting, which was on Monday, uh, the Board of Selectmen brought uh, as two of their guests um, um, uh, officials from uh, the MBTA and uh, the Massachusetts Department of Transportation. Now these were important people because back in August during the summer, it was these two groups that made had their concerns um, known that uh, if Belmont was going to go on the south side, it meant that they'd be crossing uh, the tracks at Brighton Street in a di diagonal manner, and they don't want that. They don't want path. They don't want people to go from one path to another path by going cross train tracks. They would rather avoid them at all cost. So, it, it, so, they, so they basically said it was a safety issue and they probably, and Belmont wouldn't probably get funding for it. And believe me, Belmont is not going to pay for anything, uh, the construction of this path without uh, federal uh, money. And as the, as, as the state and the MBTA said, they've got the money. They want this built. And to, to make it clear, when we talk about the south side of the tracks, that's the high school side of the tracks. That's right. The north side is... Uh, the Channing Road side. The Channing Road side. So I thought that this was all decided. It was decided back uh, in December of, of, of 2017 when the Board of Selectmen uh, selected the south side uh, after it was deemed the, the, most, uh, the most appropriate by um, the consultant, the PAR group. Um, and uh, but when the when the uh, MBTA and uh, Mass Dot, as they're called, uh, expressed their uh, uh, concerns about safe, safety, the board of selectmen said, "Well, we're going to make a we're going to see if this the north side uh, can be done because w these are new changes. You know, we have to we can't, we have to be flexible because there are many of the facts were in flux at the time." Now, with the Mass Dot, who is providing the money? Is there danger that they would refuse to provide the money if they thought that the crossing was unsafe? Well, that's the interesting thing. At the meeting, they basically, both the MBTA and MassDOT said, there's no fatal flaw whether we go on the north side or the south side. Now, that sounds interesting because now you would think that the Board of Selectmen would, would continue with a south side, right. which would also make the Channing Road people very happy. 
But now, when they when they found out that they they could go on the south side, another factor came up, and those are called pinch points. There are two major pinch points on the south side where the width is not is not uh, wide enough that will allow um, emergency vehicles to go in and out. So what 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 will have to what what the town will have to do is basically take portions of two buildings, uh, which is the, um, the, the, uh, the Crate Escape, the dog place, and, um, and the Pure Coat uh, industrial site, they'd have to take uh, those pieces by eminent domain or buy them. And those are considered almost fatal flaws for the town. Because that would be a town expense. That would be a huge town expense. Now, is there any sort of deadline or time frame where we're going to get to a decision? Well, the Board of Selectmen said that we, we can't go on with this. But this is not going to go on for another three decades like, like it has been going on. They said that on the 26th of February, they're going to make a decision, whether it's the north side and the south side, and that's it. That will be the decision. So in a couple of weeks. That's right. Thanks for bringing us up to date. We've been speaking with Franklin Tucker, the editor and publisher of The Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. The Belmont Police Department has signed on to an innovative approach to handling many criminal justice cases. I have with me today Belmont Police Chief Richard McLaughlin to talk about the Belmont Police Department's new efforts in restorative justice. Thanks for stopping over, Chief. Thanks for having me, Roger. Can you summarize what the concept of restorative justice is? What restorative justice is and gives us an alternative to what we've had in the process we've utilized in the past. Back in April of 2018, Governor Baker signed into the Criminal Justice Reform Act. And uh, what that did is open the doors and let departments and communities sign on to restorative justice programs. Uh, our particular one that we've become partner now with, C4RJ, has been doing uh, this process since 2000. And uh, we've been looking at it for a number of years, but now that we have had uh, the opportunity, we've signed on because now with the new criminal justice reform bill, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of other departments and communities signing on as well. And when you say the, the Belmont Police Department is signed on, what does that mean? What will you do differently now? What we will do differently now is when we have a crime committed, what we'll do is look at the particulars of the crime and we'll talk to the people involved. Mostly, importantly, is the victim of the crime. And if this is a strictly voluntary process, and what we'd ask is if they, the victim would be, uh, would want to participate in this program. It's strictly voluntary and part of the process is that there's a circle, what they say, is how they describe it, and it's it's confidential, but the process is that we talk about what happened, the crime committed, and what we want to do is make the person, the victim, and the community right from that situation, whatever it was, whether it be vandalism to somebody's property, breaking and entering. Uh, and prior to that, we would take a report, and we'd take the person. And eventually the, it would end up in court. It would end up in court. Uh, in criminal court. In criminal court. So this gives us alternatives that we don't have to go that road, but it's all encompassing on the victim and the offender being part of it because the offender has to sign off on a contract 
and be remorseful for what their actions. And there is a role for Belmont volunteers, if I understand correctly, right? Yes, there is. And part of the program, you know, the police are involved, obviously. The representative from C4RJ is involved, the victim, the offender. And then there's volunteers from the community to listen, to help people understand the impact of that crime and try and resolve it as a group. I have a question. What, what is the police department? get out of this? What we get out of it is obviously more being partnered with our community and having people understand our role, but also the impact more so that the crime that was committed has on our community. Will this begin soon in Belmont or is it already started? We've started the, uh, the it's a process. And of course. And we have started, uh, back in December, I sent a number of our members, department members, to some training. Uh, part of the process also is that C4RJ will be coming in to do roll call training for all our members so that everybody understands what it entails. And uh, then, you know, again, there's going to be some volunteer training. Uh, and I know that there was some scheduled for February. And, and that's, that's full. Been, that's full, I've been told. Yes. That class is full. And, uh, but there's another one scheduled for May. And uh, again, I think we can refer people to the C4IJ website and that has a, a, a lot of information on it as far as what they can uh, understand and better explain. So the Belmont Police Department is going to be participating with the community as a community partner yes, with restorative justice. And as the process uh, rolls out, we will hear more and more yes, from indeed. the police department. Yes, indeed. Thanks for stopping over, Chief. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate have you having us on, having me and the department on. <laughs> We've been speaking with Belmont Police Chief Richard McLaughlin uh, about the use of restorative justice in Belmont in the coming months and years. Now is the time for interested persons to file their nomination papers to run for town meeting members or to run for state for townwide public office. I have with me today town clerk Ellen O'Brien Cushman to talk about running for public office. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk about running for town meeting first. Sure. Uh, what spaces are open? So there are 12 spots in every one of our eight voting precincts. Uh, those are available for new and town meeting members who want to try and get reelected. Uh, there are a total of 288 elected town meeting members, so it's a pretty big panel. Uh, anybody who wants to uh, run is welcome as long as they are a registered voter of Belmont. They would gather 25 signatures of their relatives and friends who are also registered voters of Belmont in their precincts. And, um, they would just pick up nomination papers from the town clerk's office anytime we're open. They have till February 12th at 5 p.m. to turn them back in. And one thing I think you, uh, I heard you just say is, uh, even if there are incumbents running for re-election, each of the 12 spots is open in each Absolutely. precinct. Absolutely, you have to fight for your spot. And uh, in some precincts, it's a hard-fought fight, and in others, we're still recruiting and trying to get people to uh, represent their communities. Is there any particular precinct where there are fewer people running for re-election? Yes, in precinct seven, uh, we actually only have, I believe, four of the 12 people have filed, saying that they are uh, interested in re-election, although one or two of the people who hadn't responded are considering. But there are 12 slots in every single one of the precincts. In addition, there are some partial spots. Uh, in precincts one, two, five, and seven, there are tiny, you know, one-year slots or two-year slots instead of the customary three for someone who wants to dip in the toe instead of diving all the way. 
and it seems to me that a partial year slot allows somebody to test to see whether they're interested in, exactly. in being in town meeting. Exactly. It's just uh, those were vacated by the person before their term ended. Let's talk about the process of filing, uh, of getting signatures and filing papers. Sure. How many signatures do people need? So for town meeting, it requires 25 signatures of certified registered voters of your precinct, only your precinct. And for townwide office, uh, it's 50. So we always recommend a cushion of probably 10 extra, vote, uh, extra voting signatures. So getting 25 signatures really involves walking your neighborhood on a Saturday or Sunday or mm -hmm. an, uh, an evening night. And Probably not a day like today. It's yes. pretty cold, but yes. But uh, talking to your neighbors. Absolutely. If you're at a Super Bowl gathering, for example, bring your papers. Come into the town clerk's office today, tomorrow, pick them up, and you can just have people sign as long as they're registered voters. Okay. To summarize, the headlines I hear yeah. from you okay. are that there are 12 slots in every precinct yes. for town meeting. Correct. Uh, and number two is that the deadline for filing papers is February 12th. At 5 p.m. That's great. Thank you for stopping over. No problem. We're hoping to see a lot of new people. Belmont's Arthur Nergarian, who owns the shop Art Specialties, uses a unique process to ensure fresh products for his customers. Joanna Juvelis talks with us about Nergarian and his use of hydroponics. Uh, my name is Arthur Nergarian. Uh, I'm the owner of Art Specialties and uh, I would like to give you a tour of the store in Belmont. I want to show the uh, hydroponic station which is our new project that we're doing it and it's been really well received. A lot of my customers asking for produce, produce, produce. And I was like, I cannot bring a lot of produce that won't stay and be bad and we will have a lot of loss. So we look at the alternative where we can do and I did research and find out that a lot of companies now get into hydroponics and uh, in New York, in California then eventually if this works in food deserts you can build this as well all you need water and nest and you can have a very fresh and, and good quality and not at a, that expensive food. We grow a lot of uh, letters for salad. We do basil, cilantro, rosemary. This is where it starts as a seed. This is where it germinates. And if this is like about three days and we can see some uh, seeds are coming out. This is about a week, that's two weeks, and that's already three weeks. So our first batch of basil, which was about 50 basil, we sold out within I would say about uh, two weeks, about 50 basil is gone and the lettuce are as fresh as it can get. A lot of customers, if they won't buy a, one bunch, which is like a $2 and they put in a sandwich, you know, they put on their salad. Some of them is like, okay, I'll buy and make a salad at home. Some of them, they want us to make the salad, which I, takes like five minutes. We make a fresh salad for them. So it has, it has the water in it, it's connected and it's time so it turns on it waters itself we don't touch it it does everything to water I, I took off of the timer so it starts to water here's the belmont media center's jane peters to tell us about what there is to do in belmont in the coming week hi everyone i'm jane and this is your community calendar for next week the online summer camp auction to support the foundation for belmont education is open until tuesday february 5th at 10 p.m Visit fbe-belmont.org slash camp auction to view a complete list of camps and to bid. Camps range from packages valued at over $2,000 at camps in Maine to Concord summer soccer camps. 
This is a great chance to ensure your child's summer plans and support the FBE. Award-winning author-illustrator Jerry Kraft is visiting Belmont Books on Tuesday to discuss his new book, New Kid, a timely, honest graphic novel about starting over at a new school where diversity is low and the struggle to fit in is real. Kids and adults alike can enjoy this free event beginning at 6 p.m. The public is invited to attend the planning board hearings on the new Belmont 7-12 High School and provide comments on the design. The next meeting takes place on Tuesday at 7 p.m. in the Board of Selectmen meeting room in Town Hall. Visit BelmontHighSchoolProject.org to learn more about the design and to stay up to date on the project. Documentary Matters is an initiative of the Social Documentary Network and Digital Silver Imaging to provide a place for photographers to meet and discuss ongoing or completed projects. On Wednesday at 6.30, hear from photographers Eric Hoffner, Meredith Nierman, and Paris Visson at Digital Silver Imaging. You don't need to be a professional to attend, you just need to be committed to the documentary form in photography, multimedia, or video, and committed to learning. Learn more on the Social Documentary Network's website. Taste some gorgeous wines and discover why Portugal is now the hottest wine region today at QV's Wine Seminar on Thursday at 6.30. Wine specialist Augusto Gabriel will guide you on a tour of this ancient wine-producing region, home to some of the world's most delicious and best-value wines. RSVP for this free seminar by email or in-store. Sustainable Belmont presents the Belmont Fix-It Clinic on Saturday from 1 to 5 at the library. At Fix-It Clinics, participants can bring in various damaged items and receive free guided assistance from volunteers with repair skills. All ages are welcome to this hands-on event where you'll learn basic repair skills, build community connections, and reduce the number of repairable objects thrown in the trash. Also on Saturday, enjoy an afternoon of local talent at the Belmont Media Center's open mic from noon to 4 p.m. Musicians, comedians, filmmakers, poets, and more are welcome to sign up for 15-minute spots to perform on the BMC stage. Audience members are also welcome to attend for a free afternoon of live entertainment. Learn more and sign up online. We are all acutely aware of the effects of this cold time of year and the homeless among us even more so. Boston Healthcare for the Homeless and the Boston Red Sox have teamed up to address the need for clean, warm socks this winter. Dr. David Alper, podiatrist, will have a donation box for new white socks of all sizes in his office at One Oak Avenue in Belmont. Stop by and place the socks in the bin between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Thursday, and for every two pairs, Dr. Alper will add an additional pair. The Belmont Gallery of Art opens its newest show, Three Graces, with local artists Cynthia Brody, Susan Murray, and Julie Dapper. This exhibit celebrates iconography of the feminine. Visit belmontgallery.org for more information and for gallery hours. And that's all for next week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can email your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org. Belmont's Chinese Festival was held last weekend at the Chenery Middle School. Like the previous two years, the gala was sold out. For the organizer, the Belmont Chinese American Association, the event is a place for the Chinese community in Belmont to gather and a time to introduce the Chinese community to the broader Belmont community. Chinese New Year is a really important um, uh, festival for, um, for ours. So we have the big uh, uh, community here. The Belmont uh, American Association, we just started uh, kind of three years ago. 
So since then, uh, we are thinking to uh, gather all these Chinese people together. Then we want to do something. Also want to get the whole community together. So this year it is the fourth um, celebration. We have more than a hundred um, people in the show. And we also have more than 100 uh, volunteers involved in it. The purpose is not for we earn some money, it's just for uh, donate to uh, the, uh, the Friends of uh, Biomont uh, uh, Council of Aging Senior Center. So uh, every last year we donate to uh, the, the food pantry. So uh, we, we are thinking, you know, not just with celebration, we also think it's good. So how to avoid in the community and help others. The boys and girls basketball teams for Belmont High School continue to win. Franklin Tucker brings us up to date on the success of the basketball teams as we watch clips from the recent Lexington Games. The Belmont High School boys and girls varsity basketball team continue on their winning ways, remaining undefeated as they defeated their respective opponents, Lexington and Wakefield High School, last week. In the boys' game versus Lexington, Ben Sarawagi was the, the engine that made Belmont go. He had a game of sixes. He led the team in rebounds and assists with six and went, had six points on three-for-six shooting. Leading the team in scoring was Danny Armanian with 31 and Mac Annis with 20 as Belmont defeated the Minutemen 93-71. On Tuesday night's game, the boys' varsity team squeaked by Wakefield in a score of 64-63. Uh, it was their toughest test of the season. According to coach Adam Pritchard, the Wakefield team matched up with Belmont as well as any team this season, but the team toughed it out and kept their perfect record in the Middlesex League. In the girls' game versus Lexington, Megan Tan, Nina Minicozzi, and Meyer Bergdorf had uh, 14, 13, and 12 points respectively. Tan and Minicozzi each had four steals and three assists, while Bergdorf led the team in rebounds with nine. Uh, the girls' game against Wakefield at the Werner Fieldhouse featured another solid game by Tan, leading the scoring with 20 points and playing tough defense, resulting in six steals. The leading rebounder was Ellen uh, Gagnon with nine. Belmont prevailed 50-33 to after a cold shooting bout in the first three minutes of the game. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Belmont Journal. This is the Belmont Journal. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will see you again next time.